Hi, I'm Ray, and you're listening to Insert Quest here. Today's quest is a special one. We are going to be looking back on the National Young Writers Festival 2019 that I just attended, uh, the why I feel it's an important festival and why more RPG makers, designers, and uh, fans should attend. And we're going to be doing that as an homage to the Mixed Six. Uh, so I have been helping out people at the festival, giving away free food that I have gotten from dumpster diving, as well as uh, giving people, giving a couple of people some lifts to the airport. And one of the people that I gave a lift to the airport was like, oh, the people that I stayed with uh, in like a Airbnb type apartment thing had a bunch of food left over, so I figured I'd give it to you because I'm not going to have a chance to eat it. And one of the things they gave me was a couple of bottles of half-drunk wine, a a now four-pack of beers, because two of them had been consumed, and an interesting, like, little Australian indie brewing company beer thing. Um, And so, I thought... In honor to, in honor of this uh, extra beer, uh, and one of my favorite beer podcasts, as a person that doesn't really like beer, um, I would uh, drink this beer, uh, and it would serve as the timer for uh, how long I talk about NYWF. Uh, now, I'm not sponsored by NYWF or anything, so, like, don't take my drinking of beer as a reflection on them. Uh, but uh, here we go. Ooh. Ooh. Foamy. Mmm. Okay. All right. So, this is called a Pea Blossom Lemonade. It's by the brewing company The Well. There's dog by the looks of it. Um, let's see if they've got a blurb on here. If you're looking for something light, refreshing, and not too sweet, then you're going to want to try our Pea Blossom Lemonade. Lovingly, naturally fermented at our brewery in Armadale. Oh, Armadale! We add Pea Blossom flowers to give it a gentle earthiness and signature pink colour. Vegan-friendly, low in sugar, and outrageously delicious, what more could you want? You know, I feel like this is... I thought this was a beer, but... It could be a beer, but it just tastes like a mildly alcoholic grapefruit lemonade um i if this is a beer congratulations we've found a third beer on the planet earth that i'm willing to drink (laughs) comments from the peanut gallery evidently um all right well so uh i suppose we should get into it so for those that are unaware the national young writers festival is a festival for artists that is part of a larger co-festival ecosystem. 
uh, the This Is Not Arts Festival uh, is a coming together of a bunch of different festivals to put on a bunch of arts events in Newcastle. So there's a theatre festival component and there's a visual arts, more general arts uh, festival component and then there's the Writers Festival. Um, the main one that I attend, uh, have attended in the past and uh, got to contribute to this year, was the National Young Writers Festival. Um, I'm not going to talk too much about like what I did as an artist there because that sort of content I actually have a space for and that is on my Patreon. Um, so normally after I do a event like this, like attend a convention, um, I will talk about what I did there on there. Uh, on that show, on uh, Quest Markers. Uh, but instead, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to talk about, like, the benefits that MYWF presents to both artists and uh, attendees, uh, and why... I mean, really going to be focusing on artists. And here, when we say artists, we mean the people that are presenting stuff at the festival and being paid to be part of... The festival. Um, uh, so I think we're going to start off with a few of the differences about the festival that make it made it an interesting process for me to and and made me want to attend it, as well as what separates it out from some of the other festivals. So if you've ever attended PAX or anything, any of those big RPG conventions, you know that you tend to come up or gaming conventions in general, you know that you come up with an idea for an event, you pitch it to the organisers, and then if they like your event, they program it on, and then you come, you run it, you do it. Um, you also know that you generally don't get paid for it. At least, I've never heard of anyone getting paid to do their events. Normally, the payment is that you get a free ticket to the event. Now, to be fair, a ticket to PAX is like, if you're going to all three days, is like a couple of hundred dollars, generally. Um, I think it might be a little bit less than that. If you buy an individual ticket, yada, yada, yada. It's expensive. It's not cheap. Um, it's not an unusual price for a convention. It's just, just because something is a normal price doesn't mean that it's an accessible price. Um, so... And so, in a way, you're kind of being compensated. Hey, you get to use this ticket. Um, but at the same time, you're not actually getting paid. Uh, I'm going to take another... Um, so, you get paid for doing events at NYWF. I'm going to put that out right now. It's not a huge amount, but you get paid a small-ish amount for doing a one-hour event. So, I did... So a one-hour event might be about $60. These prices obviously are going to be... These amounts are going to be subject to change, but they didn't tell me not to disclose how much I got. So, yeah. Um, and there are some... The prices go up depending on the kind of event you do. I don't know the exact thing, but I'm pretty sure if you run a workshop, you get a different amount. Uh, and you also get a small but still pretty good... Uh, accommodation slap yeah accommodation stipend um and that is for it's 
so that you can, you know, get a hotel room, hopefully. It's a hundred... I don't know what the exact price is, but it's based on how many nights of... How many day, how many nights you'll have to stay in order to do your event. So if you have an event on all four days, you get a certain amount uh, in order to ensure that you can stay there for those four days. If you have an event on only one day, then they will give you a stipend so that you can get somewhere to stay that night, but they're not going to pay for the other ones. Uh, that's my understanding. It might actually be different. Um, and they also have a partnership with the local uh, branch of the of Youth Hostels Australia where they kind of secure a certain amount of the dorms for uh, for the artists that attend. And so you can stay there. Uh, uh, and I, I think if you stay there, you don't get the, the stipend, but I'm not 100% sure. But the point is that there's a lot more accommodations made. Um, they're not going to cover 100% of your costs, but they are subsidizing your costs and you are getting paid as well. So that's pretty good. Um, and again, stands out in comparison to, I mean, PAX is the main large convention I've been to, um, but I have no reason to believe that other large conventions are any different. And maybe you get paid for doing like, I mean, maybe you get paid for doing like those in Melbourne international game weeks things, but I've never heard of that. So, if you are getting paid for those, none of you are talking about it. And you should talk about it, because I really don't want to do events anymore where I don't get paid. <laughs> um, because even when it is a small amount, and I say small amount, I essentially made $60 for doing a 10-minute reading, which is actually a quite high ratio. Um, but it was a, like, one-hour event, so, you yeah. know. Um, it's less of a high amount when you look at it that way. Um, and also when you factor in the fact that I still had to be at the, like a kind, I didn't have to be at the festival. I could have just come to the one event that I was on, but that's not really the point. <laughs> um, so you're getting paid, which stands out like substantially. Um, and even though it's not like a ridiculously high amount, um, it is still more than anyone has ever paid me to hear my opinion on a thing. Uh, and it is also, importantly, you getting paid. And that has goes a huge way for helping develop how you... I don't know. For me, it helped me feel legitimate. Um, people are willing to pay me to hear me talk about art stuff. Um, as a person that makes kind of arty RPGs, but also like if I was just, yeah, anyway, as a person that writes kind, sometimes writes art RPGs, but also just writes and makes RPGs in general, it was really, um, it was really, uh, strengthening, I guess, to be paid for my work. Uh, and it means so much to me that the NYWF directors saw uh, my pitch and wanted me to do it. Um, another aspect that is different about NYWF that makes it stand out is, again, if you've gone through the normal submission uh, 
things for other conventions. Uh, you pitch an idea, then it, they either accept it or reject it, and that determines whether you get in. With NYWF, you pitch them yourself. You're pitching yourself as an artist. They also ask you to pitch an idea, but those ideas are a lot more kind of uh almost raw like some pitches if they're really good and fit exactly what they're kind of looking for they'll pick them up in my case they didn't pick up any of my pitches and i made three and they still rostered me on for three events in the end and i think i actually wound up doing a fourth as a quick uh stand-in um and so you're kind of pitching yourself as an artist. And then once MYWF sees all the artists that they have, they kind of look at, okay, what can we program with these kinds of people wanting to come to our festival? And then that's how they program the festival. So you will often get asked to do events that maybe you didn't consider, but they've seen the work that you do, or at the very least seen your pitch uh, and how you've presented yourself and the kind of qualities of yourself that you've praised and then they will program you for that. So I ended up doing something that really stood out for me is that they got me to host a somewhat comical debate about what genre vampires belonged in. And I will talk more about that on Insert Quest Here's uh, Patreon-only podcast, Quest Markers. But that was something that I never would have pitched myself. I never would have gone, oh, yeah, I'm funny enough that I could carry a funny debate thing. Um, and run it. I also never would have thought of running a debate. I also never would have thought of doing a thing about vampires. And not that I don't like vampires, but it's not like a primary passion of mine. Um, to call back to really old insert question episodes. Um, yeah. So those are the things that really set it apart. And when I heard about the, how they, how they decide how events are made and what events get programmed, last year when I attended, that was actually the thing that really pushed me to want to apply because I was interested in finding out what kind of events people would put me on. And also, to be honest, it felt like less work to me. Um, I didn't have to, I didn't have, it's easy for me. It felt easier for me to sell myself than it did to try and guess what kind of events the festival would want. Even though I had attended the festival before as just a normal patron, um, I thought... I, I still felt like I didn't really know what the festival wanted. And so pitching myself and telling them about who I was based on the questions that they asked in their Google form thing was a lot easier for me to do than to try and come up with panels that would captivate the PAX attendees and get them to come in. Um, so those are the main, like, those are the main structural differences just from a application standpoint that sets it out from, like, other conventions and things that you might have gone to if you're a game designer. Now I'm going to kind of talk about why the why it is useful to you as an artist to attend and how it can be, um, how it can be a kind of transformative and instructional experience. NYWF for artists and what it brings for you creatively is 
interdisciplinary knowledge. This is a thing that I often celebrate on the show. Studying and being aware of how other artists create, even when it's not your field, helps you create in yours. An example that I talked about a lot this weekend at NYWF was that when I get stuck creatively, I watch music production videos. Like when I can't think of what I want to do for a podcast or I'm having trouble writing for a game, I go and watch Andrew Huang uh, videos because his shit's great, for one. And two, it is very far from the kind of work I'm doing. Like, we're both using audio editing tools, but he's using them for a completely different purpose to me, arguably the purpose that they were, that they're more originally intended for. Um, uh, And also, uh, he is, not only is he working in a different medium, but he's also doing a completely, it's a completely different process um, he's creating shorter content. Um, he's creating more consumable content. Um, and he's doing a lot more remixing and things like that. Although to a certain degree, there's an argument that RPG making is also a lot of remixing and really isn't all art remixing, but we're getting off topic. Um, interdisciplinary knowledge me gives you a lot of it helps build the diversity of your skills uh and i don't mean that in i'm when i say that diversity of skill i mean that uh a phrase that kind of exemplifies this for me is that uh i think it's a it might be like a martial artist proverb i can't quite remember Uh, But it's basically drawing your knowledge from many wells. Drawing water from many wells is like a thing to do to avoid... You you know, if one well is bad, then you don't... won't. You're less likely to get sick and die if you're drawing water from many wells. But also, if you're drawing water from many wells, you're less likely to... For one well to completely run dry. You're spreading out that load. And to a certain degree, that applies here. If you are drawing your knowledge from a lot of different spaces, you're less likely to get stuck and run out of ideas, but you're also less likely to crumble should one of those uh, pillars that you're drawing on disappear or become inaccessible to you or in, other, or in some other way become tainted. Um, and it just means that you can create a stronger product. As I add more mediums to my base as an artist and add more kind of fields that I can work in. So I can, I'm now getting into writing poetry. I am now making zines. I have made podcasts. I have written games. Those are all artistic mediums where I can express a project. And so if something isn't quite working as one, I can try and do, see if it'll fit into another. That's kind of a really big selling point for interdisciplinary knowledge. And NYWF is a perfect opportunity to see all of that. You have script writers, you have podcasters, there's shitloads of poets, there's people that write for film, television, there's people that write for uh, theatre, there are 
journalists, which I might have already mentioned. There are uh, art critics. There are... There's just so many different people that call themselves artists. And I found out, I didn't find this out until I was almost leaving the festival, that there are actually other game writers at the festival. Uh, so... I thought I was the only game designer at the festival, the only person pegging themselves as a game designer, but I actually found out pretty much on the last night that one, uh, at least one other person at the festival uh, writes uh, games, as well as one of the volunteers being somebody that was starting to make games uh, or had been making games themselves and I think was also doing a uni degree about it. And so... Um, there is already all these people here. And last year there were a few uh, video game industry people uh, at the event. Whereas this year I didn't see as much of that and there definitely wasn't heaps of it. There was a, uh event where we played some board games but no one else mentioned that they were a game designer. That doesn't mean that they weren't, they just didn't bring it up. Um, and so there are a lot of different artists. There's also people that like create artistic spaces... At the event, uh, there are uh, there are just so many different creators that are all just trying to find find any way that they're even tangentially re- related to being a writer. Uh, anyone that is even slightly related to writing or uses writing in the event is someone that. Does that is a valid candidate for being an attending artist. Last year at NYWF, a lot of what helped me develop as an artist was seeing the other podcasters that were at the event and realizing that um, a lot of the work that they were doing and that they called best practices and that they thought was like the key to doing podcasting, I realized it was very important for me to, or rather it wasn't necessarily important, but it was useful to me to hear them talk about that because I realized that I disagreed with almost everything that they were saying and everything that they thought podcasting had to be. Pretty much the only thing that I enjoyed about, uh, pretty much the only thing that they said that influenced the way I chose to develop my work, um, is uh, one of them talked about how more podcasts should use kind of ambient sound, but also use pauses more effectively. And that is to leave breathing space uh, and let a moment linger. That was pretty much the only thing out of an hour long discussion about podcasts that I was like, oh, wow, that's a really good idea and I should do that. Everything else they said wasn't necessarily bad. It just very much came from a place of trying to make a commercial product. And I have been criticised in the past of ragging on commercial product. Um, It's not bad to make a commercial product, but I am definitely... It is not a primary motivator for me. I want to make a work of... I want to make a piece of art... If it sells well, that's awesome, and I will try and do my best to give something its best platform, but I'm not making a thing to sell to advertisers or to try and sell advertising space. That's just not a thing I believe in, and I can't work in that space. 
Um, and so it's not a useful motivator for me. But then this year, there was this wonderful person... There was this wonderful podcaster, Kel, uh, at most of the events in the large room. And they... She? She. Was recording everything as a resource... When I talked to her, I got the impression that she was recording it as a resource for... Uh, others to use later on. Um, and the way that I found that out is that I walked up to them to ask if I could uh, plug into their microphone to record one of my events. Um, they're like, oh, well, I'm just going to record it so I can just send it to you. So that was, like, amazing. Um, so the... I haven't had a drink of this beer in a while. So Kel and I talked a few times about podcasting, about actual play, about role-playing games... Uh, and about what podcasting kind of meant to us, and how the joke about everyone's got a podcast now, for us, is a selling point. Like, we're very much of the opinion that, while that's kind of funny, it's not negative. Um, while everyone having a podcast can be a bad... Th- is often seen as a bad thing, because it's like, oh, well, people are just making too many podcasts. The whole point of podcasts, for Cal and I at the very least, was that you can find the niche podcast that you want. Um, There are as many podcasts as there are listeners of podcasts, and while that means you can't, you're unlikely to capture a, the, the majority of the market or whatever, that shouldn't be your goal. Um, if it is, good for you. Uh, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> um, uh, and that you have this freedom to create whatever you want. And we talked uh, we talked about this idea that is often seen in writing where you should write the book that you want to write and that there should be more of that. There, there was a lot of that in podcasts to begin with and with the rise of the commercialization of podcasts and the mainstreaming of podcasts, we've seen a, a perceived, at the very least, we have perceived a decrease in that, uh, in that kind of behavior where less people are... Uh, where more people are like, oh, I need to make a podcast that's going to, like, make money and it's got to blah, 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 blah. Instead of being like, no, I should make the podcast that I want to listen to, that I want, and then see what kind of an audience it has. And we see that in RPGs, right? We see that idea in RPGs. More and more, there are people advocating that you should write the game that you want to play and then let it have its audience, whatever that audience is, rather than writing to a specific audience. And I'm kind of high on sleep deprivation and half of a 1.1 standard drink beer, so I'm gonna go a little bit off the rails here and say that I don't care if you disagree with me on that point, if you're like a big marketing RPG person, and you're all like, oh no, you should write to uh, sell the money, I, I don't care, you do that, I'm not gonna do that, I'm gonna make games that I think are cool, and then I'm gonna see how much money they make. Um, because that's just how I am motivated as an artist. And to a certain degree, I have the privilege where I can 
do that. I have structures in place that allow that allow me to focus on writing the art that and making the art that I can, uh, rather than trying to turn myself into a mass profit um, art creator. Which I don't even know if that's a thing. I'm sure. I, beyond Andy Warhol, I don't know if that's a thing. Um, another aspect of the festival that's really great and that you've probably already deduced is that you get to talk to a bunch of artists. And they're not just people from Australia. You have people that are... A lot of people from New Zealand end up as artists at the festival. I'm pretty sure that there was a person from the Philippines on the festival. And there are just a lot of uh, people. I don't know if the process of selection is different if you're from another country. I'm not 100% aware of that, but I'm going to say right now, I am willing to help you find that out. If you're an artist from another, from a, outside of Australia and you want to try and come to NYWF, I will help you do your application. In fact, I will help anyone do their application. Just send me an email at insertquesthere@gmail.com uh, Because one of the most powerful and useful experiences to me was seeing the work of other artists and then being able to talk to those artists about their work, but also just being able to talk to other artists and understand a little bit more who they are and why they create and what they are doing. And some of the events that they program at and... YWF actively promote that kind of discussion and other times you just catch people between events or you catch people while you're getting food <laughs> um, or you catch people on the walk home um, and there's just so much opportunity for this bonding and, and this community and in a lot of ways, I mean in a lot of ways, definitely 100% of ways um, the National Young Writers Festival cohorts are their own community. You see artists in the following year that were there the previous year, but you also see new artists that hadn't attended before, and that kind of continues, and you build into this network of people that support each other, both uh, in the lead-up to the festival and also the rest of the year around. Um, my partner Ray and I met at NYWF, uh, and that partnership has become hugely important for me, both romantically and platonically, but also it has been incredibly important um, professionally and collaboratively. It has helped me learn how to make zines, it has helped me get into poetry writing, um, and it has opened me up to a lot more opportunities for these kinds of festivals and things. It would have been a lot harder for me... I mean, I resolved to apply for NYWF before Ray and I got together, but it would have been a lot harder for me to do my application without Ray. And it all... My partner's name is Ray. If you've never listened to Quest Markers, uh, yeah. Um, Ray White, go look them up. They write poetry and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and also laugh in the middle of podcast recordings. <laughs> um... And so, uh, that kind, that has been very helpful, but also seeing the work that other artists are doing and, uh, is useful and being able to help promote them and seeing how they develop over the year. Um, and you become a community like in the RPG space, we often talk about of late the communities online that are useful 
Um, and I, and to a certain extent, I feel like a lot of the people that are going to Big Bad Con probably right now as this is coming out, or at the very least you're heading there as I'm recording this, for a lot of you, that is very similar to NYWF, where you have, except where instead of having made these bonds at the convention, you've made these bonds online and now you're all going to this convention and seeing it, seeing your community become a physical thing around you. And that's a really powerful experience. And also America is super far away. Um, this is going to be the first negative point <laughs> of the festival. NYWF is not going to be super accessible for people that are not in Southeast Asia uh, and uh, the and New Zealand and Australia. Uh, I mean, there's an argument that, South, that Australia and New Zealand is kind of in Southeast Asia, but, like, Western culture kind of makes them not put themselves into that space, and so I'm not going to do that either. But, like, geographically that part of the Pacific kind of area. Um, and so, obviously, it's going to be... If you're from America and the United States, this festival is difficult to attend. It would be valuable to attend if you have the resources. Um, but for context for other people, when I have looked at attending Big Bad Con or Gen Con, it costs me at least... $5,000 Australian to make sure that I, that attending won't crush me. That's the safe safety net. You can probably get there for cheaper, but the reason that that is the safety net figure that I run with is due to the fact that I'm on government subsidies uh, and welfare. Uh, when I'm out of the country, I don't get paid. If I don't get paid for a fortnight, uh, I can't make my mortgage repayment. If I don't get paid for a month, I am going to miss all of my bills. Uh, if I don't get paid for six weeks, uh, I will probably be facing financial ruin. Um, which is a bit of a downer. <laughs> uh, and that's why those festivals are not accessible to me. If I was a more well-off person, uh, I talked about this recently with a friend, uh, it costs more to be poor. <laughs> uh, it's cheaper if I am more well-off to go to those festivals. And it's cheaper because I don't have the... I'm not living day... I'm not living day-to-day, week-to-week. I, I can have more of a buffer. Um, I'm sure that there are a lot of people that are going to be bad con that are probably going to be... That, that could be in a similar situation to me, but for myself and my financial abilities and yeah, and so on, those spaces are inaccessible to me. Whereas NYWF, one is in my own town, two is in my own state, and three is in my own country. For the same reason that I was able to go to Paxos last year, I would be able to go to NYWF um, to get a plane ticket to get a plane ticket to Newcastle, the city I live in, with enough lead time, you can get a ticket for $30 from most of the major cities on my coast, my side of Australia. I'm not sure what the cost is from Perth or uh, Adelaide, but the costs from Brisbane uh, or Melbourne 
uh, you can get a ticket as low as $34, $36 if you know that you're going in far enough in advance. Um, and if you're from Sydney, it's even cheaper. It's less than $10 to catch the train to, to, to Newcastle. Um, this is a very decent beer for a beer. Um, and so, uh, NYWF is more accessible. The venue is accessible. Uh, and I don't just mean that it is close to me, but it is a government building. And in Australia, when you make a government building, you have to abide, you have to make it accessible to people in wheelchairs and things like that. Um, there were, um, sign language interpreters at the major events of the festival, the popular events of the festival there. So, at, um, at, we went to a pa- I went to a panel about, uh, sex workers and how they write about their work. Um, and there were two sign language interpreters at that and they were trading off as they got fatigued. Um, and then at... Uh, the, there was sign language for the welcome to country. There was a welcome to country. Um, and, uh, also a, uh, there were pronoun, uh, spaces on all of the artist, uh, badges. Um, they were a bit small and hard to read, but they were there, which is important. Um, as well as all of that, we saw a lot of trans... Well, there were a lot of openly trans and openly non-binary people at the festival. There were queer people. Um, there were polyamorous people, be- at the very least, because Ray and I were there. <laughs> um, and those sort of things weren't hidden. There were panels about queerness in, uh, in genre fiction and why genre fiction is often important to... Uh, queer people. There were discussions about, uh, there were panels about racism and panels about ableism and panels, I think there were even, there was even a panel about classism. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that one because there was a lot on. Um, and that's just talking about the National Young Writers Festival. You also have the events being put, put on by, uh, by the other sister festivals, uh, and what they were exploring in their spaces, we went to a theater performance that was about, um, poetry, courtly poetry and its role in Persian modern, well, it, it, Persian courtly poetry and its role in modern day Afghanistan and Iraq, I think, were the two places that they were primarily talking about. I think they also talked a little bit about Dubai, but that might have just been in passing. It might not. Anyway, they were talking about the how Persian courtly poetry is featured in modern day uh, culture and how it is used. And that was a really awesome uh, and beautiful piece that definitely needed a content warning that they didn't provide but otherwise was very good uh and everyone at nywf is really well for the most part everyone is really supportive and wants to make sure that everyone's doing okay everyone's doing their best to uh make sure that people are are, uh safe and getting home all right um they're 
uh, there was one moment where we thought someone had had a panic attack and rushed off um, and they'd abandoned a bunch of stuff and so we tried to contact them to make sure they were okay and it turned out that they'd uh, just had to run to the bathroom quickly, I think it was, uh, and they were fine. They just had to pop out for a second. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. We, we thought that you were, like, had, you know, in trouble and we wanted to check up on you. And there was, there was a lot of... There was a lot of sense of, a strong sense of wanting to form friendship um, and wanting to find people that you could, uh, that you could connect with. And I felt like it was a welcoming space. I don't, I can't speak for everyone because I didn't talk to everyone at the festival. So if there are if there are dissenting opinions about this, by all means, let me know. But for me, the festival seems so open and welcome um, and friendly uh, and people want to hear from you and they want to talk to you. Um, and as long as you're respectful, <laughs> generally, you can pretty much talk to anyone um, as long as you are respectful. Um for game makers and fans of games, the reason that I think that you need to be at NYWF, I've kind of been talking pretty rambly about, like, all of the cool, exciting energy things of NYWF. But the reason that you all need to be here is that you're working in a space that is increasingly becoming known to the mainstream and the game designers that I talk to a lot are people that are generally not afraid to experiment so even within our field you're trying out things that are uh, pushing the boundary you're weaving real world magic uh, into your games you're making games that uh, actively help you with your mental health. You're making games that uh, explore uh, forgotten parts of history. And you're creating games in form factors that aren't... that haven't been seen before, even in our industry. And you're presenting them in ways that haven't been seen before, um, at least widely. Um, and so I think that you have a lot to contribute by claiming for yourselves the title of artist because all of you are artists uh, and you have a lot to gain by sharing that with others. I am sure I have talked about this before on the podcast somewhere, but I loathe secret knowledge. I understand that for some cultures, secret knowledge is very important. For me, as a neuroatypical person, uh, the keeping of uh, secrets can be really frustrating, and I understand why they're needed. But in particular, secrets are frustrating when they are about skills. And I'm of the opinion that keeping a skill secret and, ref and not teaching it to people is more of a disservice to you than it is a protection of your craft. 
um, sharing the secrets of how you make something lifts others up and actually, I feel, creates a space for your work to grow. Um, it is important for us to share what we know with other people, both so that those skills don't get lost, but also so that the main advantage of human culture keeps going. Like the fact that we can communicate skills to people and communicate knowledge to people is the thing more so than any other that keeps humans alive. The fact that uh, I didn't have to learn for myself what was and wasn't poisonous and could just be told what foods I could eat is a very important thing um, to use a rather survivalist uh, example. We're almost at the end of this beer. And so while you will be able to learn heaps from the artists at MIWF and learn so much from the panels and things that are happening... I think that you all have a wealth of knowledge and talent to contribute and that attending this festival will give you a way to uh will give you a way to grow your uh skill. Now I did mention that it was called the National Young Writers Festival. Uh young here basically means 18 to 35. Uh, which is a pretty wide swath, swath of people, um, of age groups at least. Um, it is going to be a festival, it's going to be an opportunity to develop bonds that will serve you and friendships that will serve you, uh, the rest of your life. I've been twice and... I have grown immeasurably as an artist from it. I also grew a lot from going to PAX, but more so than when I was at PAX Oz, because this is a community of artists and I find it very easy to identify as an artist, I felt really, really welcome in this space. Often when I'm at PAX, even when I was at PAX Australia, even though I was surrounded by a lot of people that I knew and were my friends... I and became my friends, I felt almost like I didn't belong. And that is partially because, to me, I felt like a lot of those people had academic backgrounds and that my lack of an academic background kept me... made it so that there was... feel like there was something I was missing. I now realise that my assumptions that a lot of those people had academic backgrounds were wrong and that that idea was that I held was also wrong. But there is a perception for me with both arts and also writing in general that you don't need a degree to be an artist or a, um, or a writer. And so, uh, I felt more at place in that uh, area, but also because there wasn't anyone else that was a game designer, I didn't feel like there was anyone for me to compare myself to. So there was no thing, there wasn't anything where I was like, oh, am I, do I belong here? It's like, well, I'm the only one here, so it doesn't really matter if I belong here, I am here. 
Um, and also, I guess, because they choose you based on the merit of you describing yourself as an artist is probably another factor that made me feel like I belong. Um, that sense of... And the fact that at... The fact that NYWF is express is almost expressly... No, it is expressly a space for learning. They run... They have workshops and stuff going on. It is about growing yourself and learning new things and learning new skills and exposing yourself to new ideas that uh, it feels, again, like a space where there is more permission for you to be there and perhaps be less knowledgeable about your craft um, because of the fact that they want you to learn and that everyone else here wants to learn. Um, I've talked about this for a very long time, uh, but I have a lot of strong feelings about this festival. So um, I hope that some of you will hear this uh, and come to the festival. It is a beautiful event. There are so many fun and engaging things going on. There's serious readings. There's discussions of uh, issues facing the industry and facing the world. Uh, but there are also so many fun events. There's comedy sets. There's weird mad lib games. There's, uh, there's silly debates about what uh, genre vampires belong in its science fiction by the way I managed to uh, make sure the science fiction team won and it's such a beautiful event and so much of what makes MYWF what it is is the kind of people that they bring in to help coordinate the event the wonderful volunteers the board members that uh, give their time the co-directors uh, that help get the festival running. Um, all of the uh, mar- well, all of the the uh, administration teams and things like that, and also the um, the wonderful people that give their time to make the event happen. Um, it's more than just the artists uh, that are attending. Uh, so many people make NYWF happen, um, and that's not even talking about the Zine Fair. <laughs> Um, so I really cannot understate, understate, overstate, I cannot overstate how much value I have gotten out of attending NYWF twice, um, and once as an artist, uh, and I, and I just genuinely think that it is such a, uh, fantastic opportunity and I really hope that this will inspire some of you to apply as artists next year. You can follow NYWF on Twitter, they're also active on other social media platforms Um, they do the artist call outs normally at the beginning of the year I will be, I will share that, that stuff too so if you follow me closely on Twitter and Facebook you'll see me talk about the artist call outs um, similar to how we got a lot of RP, similar to how the community came together, and in particular, uh, DC came together, uh, and called for people to go to, uh, Big Bad Con, more RPG people at Big Bad Con. I really want to come, I, I, I don't, I am not so delusional about my pull as to think that I, that it will be as successful as DC's call-outs, 
uh, for Big Bad Con, but I do genuinely think that more Australian uh, game makers and more uh, Southeast Asian game makers and more uh, New Zealand game makers attending NYWF can only be a good thing. So please, please apply uh, next year when the uh, submissions open up. And if you need help applying, I will happily do that for you. Um, well, I'll happily do that with you, more accurately. Um, so, please do. Uh, and, um, hey, Ray, I need a... I need a rating system for this... For this beer. So, uh... I don't know. So it can be anything. So, for example, on, on the Mix 6, sometimes they'll rate... Uh, they'll rate beers based on, uh, like, an actor's best movies or whatever. There just needs to be five of it. You don't need to list the five. Yeah, so what what do you want to do for the rating system? Uh, the pink-tasticness of it. Oh, yeah, because it's a... Because it's, it's a yeah, it's a pea blossom lemonade and it's pink. Okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so let's see here. Um, hmm, 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 hmm. I think that it is a. I mean, it's not a. It's. Uh, I've loaded up a list of uh, shades of pink here online. I can't remember if uh, the mix six does ascending. Uh, lists where one is best and five is bad, but I'm going to go with where one is best and five is bad. So one would definitely be like a hot pink. And I feel like a five, a kind of near is going to be any kind of really muted pastel pink. So not all pastel pinks, but like champagne, definitely a five, not very good not here for a champagne. Uh, hot pink, definitely a one. Love a hot pink. Um, I'm actually going to give this a... Hmm. I'm going to give this a orchid pink, which I feel is a solid three, possibly a two. May, somewhere between a three and a two is what I'm feeling. Um, it's good... I would drink it again. It's it's slightly bitter, but because of how fruity it is, it's almost like this is almost a cider. Um, I mean, it's a it calls itself a lemonade. I thought it was a beer, but I guess it's a lemonade. It's 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 a weird thing. Um, it's a weird thing. Uh, I'm I'm gonna give it a I'm gonna give it a three, a three and a half. It's a solid three and a half. It's a solid. Orchid Pink. I hope that you enjoyed this very long episode where I rambled about how much I love NYWF and why I want you all there. For now, farewell from the past. I'm Ray.